Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Are you ready for the preaching of the Word? I do feel a a, a divine direction today for what God wants to speak. You may not jump from the raptors, but I promise you, you'll live this week never forgetting the message that I'm about to preach. And I believe it will be an anchor for the soul, an anchor for the soul. And it will cause you to really evaluate your life. Somebody say the antidote to idolatry. The antidote to idolatry. I will endeavor to teach and preach today on this subject. I heard the word in Sunday school, idol. I heard the word, I thought Brother Josh was going to preach some of my message today, Uh, but I believe it's a confirmation of where we are in the spirit realm. We live in the era of the selfie. Everywhere you go, people are taking photos of themselves. I've never seen the like of grown folks taking pictures of themselves and posting them on social media. I look at some selfies and wonder, you're a brave soul or you need a mirror. Because this selfie ain't doing you no favors. I always get tickled when someone is doing a live video of themselves and they hold the camera at an angle that revealed the second, third, and possibly the fourth chin. And I'm like, you don't need to be holding that camera like that. You need to adjust that camera up a little bit so... Anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about. I firmly believe that if God was walking amongst us today in human form at this time in history, He would not take a selfie. The Israelites were strictly told not to carve, create, build, or fashion anything that would stand in resemblance of God. The only selfie God ever took in all of history was in the form of Jesus Christ because Jesus became God's selfie. I feel a preach coming on me right now. For John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made. That was made. We jump down to verse number 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace. Somebody say grace. And truth. The invisible became visible. Somebody ought to shout amen right now. Jesus became the express image of God. I said Jesus became the express image or the selfie of God. He told humanity don't even try and create a God because he knew we would mess it up. 
He is God and God all by himself. And let me say as the song declares, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I said, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. One writer said, I'm glad I know he's the Father. I'm glad I know he's the Son. I'm glad he's the Holy Ghost. All these three are one. Any distortion of who God truly is becomes idolatry. I'm going to say that again. Any distortion... Of who God truly is becomes idolatry. You may be wondering on this Sunday morning, why am I preaching on idolatry? Hold on just a few minutes and it will become very clear. We live in a saturated, an idol saturated society. When I say the word idol, you probably think of a statue sitting in a corner or on a coffee table. But hear your pastor this morning. An idol can be best described as any person, place, thing, or thought that someone looks to as their source. Everybody get what an idol is? It's, it's when we as people look to something as our source. It could be their source of emotional well-being, their source of provision, source of power, identity, good health, or a number of other things. This is idolatrous because God is the source of everything we need. As Holy Ghost-filled believers, we are to love the Lord our God first. Somebody say first. Anything that competes with that love, that honor, that reverence and alignment is an idol. Idols come in all shapes, forms, and sizes. It's an effort. Why, why, why do we tend to, to shift toward idolatry or idols? It's a competition with God and it draws us away from God. So I, I had to ask myself, what is the purpose of an idol? You know what the purpose of an idol is? To replace God in His rightful place in our life. I said an idol is a replacement of God's rightful place in our life. But as King of kings and Lord of lords, He is to be the preeminent ruler in all that we think, all that we say, all that we do. We have been placed on this earth to carry out His agenda. Somebody say, His agenda. I know you think you went to college for a particular field or you may have a particular trade, but the ultimate agenda in your life is to carry out the kingdom agenda. And I said to me, I said this morning in prayer, I said, God, what is your agenda? He said, tell my people the agenda, the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God in every area of our life. Every area of our life. It's the visible manifestation. When people see us, they should see the agenda of God at work. When we walk into the room, the agenda just showed up. When we move and breathe and have our being in Him, we're fulfilling the agenda of the kingdom. Hallelujah. I've come to preach to this church this morning. Satan uses idols to draw us away from the legitimate rule of God. Satan and his demons do so by bringing in competitive forces to steer us 
from the truth in order to, to just kind of delude us down over time and hijack our decision making. Virtually every wrong in our lives that continue to crumble, even though it may have started out looking and feeling right, is wrong because it's an idol. Every misguided path you've ever taken has an idol out in front of it like a carrot in front of a donkey. In order to understand the antidote for idolatry and see change in your life, you first, somebody say first, you've got to recognize the sin of idolatry for what it is. It is when I studied this subject and I began to read and I began to I said God I've never seen idolatry like this and he would say to me uh, it is a clever ploy by the enemy to get you going in a damaging and fruitless direction you may not be there yet but where are you heading what direction are you going ask lot I said, ask Lot. He understood the power of direction. What he got up every morning out of his tent. All he saw was Sodom. And eventually Sodom is where he end up, ended up. But I found, Brother Chris, I found a character in the Bible I guess I've never really done an in-depth study on until this week. We find in 2 Chronicles 33, we find a man named Manasseh. Everybody say Manasseh. He became king when he was 12 years old. He was about as evil as someone could get. He would go out. He would go on to reign as king for 55 years. Beginning at 12. And you do the math. Add 55 years to this man's life. That's how long he served. But to better understand and appreciate his life. You need to understand he was raised in a God-fearing home. He was raised right. His father was Hezekiah. And in 2 Chronicles 29 and 2, it summarizes his leadership the best when it says he did that which was right in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. I'm talking about Hezekiah. Manasseh, Hezekiah's son, had every opportunity to experience and learn from godly leadership. Aren't you thankful for godly leadership? Aren't you thankful for leaders in this church that are godly? He was raised by a father who loved God and served Him. And wanted those around to love God and serve Him too. But hear me, mama and daddy. Hear me. I stand here today to emphatically declare. And some of us are living this season of life right now. Godly parenting does not guarantee godly offspring. In 2 Chronicles 33, 2, we read Manasseh chose to go in opposite direction of his father. He drove down, he drove down a very different path of life. It says he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, imitating the detestable practices of the nation's that the Lord dispossessed before the Israelites. He did everything that God had already did away with. And, and the land that was given to the Israelites. Uh, he went back and he began to reinstitute things. Uh, that God had already took care of. Hezekiah was a godly man. But Manasseh went way off course. He went. He, he, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. But here's what I do know. Manasseh caved into the call of the culture. He got lured by those around him. He adopted the worldview of other nations. 
He would commit abominations, but the majority of the people in those days did not see them that way. They would have called them fun. They would have called them exciting. They would have called them freedom of expression. They would have called them political correctness or any number of things. Manasseh became popular with those who was popular. But it didn't make him right. I'm afraid we're in a society right now. If Instagram were a thing back then, his would have made millions and millions of followers as he posted pictures of himself in various poses wearing whatever the styles of the day might be. I stand as a beckoning call under this generation, as a church, as a movement. We cannot adopt the cultures of this world and bring that into the church of the living God. There are still things that the word says are an abomination. There are still things in the world that says thou shalt not. And if you do, this is the consequences. You need to keep in mind what the Bible calls abominations. Culture calls cool. We better not get caught up in the tide of that. We better be careful what pictures we're liking on Instagram and Facebook when it contradicts the Word of God. We're enamored by all the popularity. We're enamored by all the things going on out there. But we better find some role models in an apostolic church. We better find some ministers. We better find some pastor's wives. We better find somebody that we can look up to and say, I'm hanging on to what I've been taught. I'm not going the way of Manasseh. I thank God for my wife. I said, I thank God for my godly wife. Let me tell all the single fellows in here, it matters who you marry. I said, it matters who you marry. We're in love. You better be careful who you fall in love with. You'll have to eat the fruit of that before long. You're going to have to reap the consequences of that before long. You see, Manasseh got enticed and sold out. He incorporated the worldview of the society that surrounded him. Does that sound familiar, Brother Edwin? Does that sound like the world that we're living in? We're being bombarded by all manner of secularism. We're being bombarded by all kind of theories and all kind of... I I can't even describe it in detail what we're being bombarded with today. It's challenging every voice. Every voice. My voice right now is being challenged even as I speak. Well, that's not what I saw on TV. That's not what my friend said. That's not what my family says. That's not what this show says. This is... He incorporated the worldview of the society that surrounded him rather than the godliness that had reared him. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what Manasseh did. Verse 3. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. And he reared up altars for Balaam and made groves and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. But let's go a little bit further. It gets even crazier. 
And he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. And he observed the times and used enchantments and witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He brought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. When I read that, my mind just can't com- quite comprehend. You named it. He did it. Sorcery, divination, child sacrifice, witchcraft. Better than that, he was making so many idols and gods and so many altars here. He had altars in the church. He had altars of convenience. Whatever, just as long as it's an altar. You better be careful where you kneel at and you pledge your allegiance to. You don't know what's behind those altars. You don't know the spirits that have been behind those things. Manasseh brought the idols of culture into the house of God. God help us today. If we're not careful, we can do the same thing just under different names. Culture is doing its best to influence the church. We better stand guard sanctuary community church against the evil that's trying to slip in the church. Too many churches are just going along with it in order to have enough money, entice a big enough crowd, get enough notoriety, keep people happy, and stay popular. I heard this morning in our Sunday school that we will suffer persecution. Everybody ain't gonna like this message. body ain't going to like this truth but it doesn't change the truth one iota I said it doesn't change the truth one iota I've come to bulk the cultural tide and inform you idols exist everywhere they just aren't wood carvings like they used to be They're educational idols. They're social idols. They're relational idols. They're entertainment idols. They're sports idols. There's gender idols. They're cause and movement idols. There's economic idols. And the list could go on. We cannot get caught up spending literally hours each day scrolling through pics on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and looking like we're following a bunch of fools. Like, 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 we're following crazy, indecent people who just so happen to look good or know how to edit a photo. Yet can't find five minutes to get along with God and get in his book. God help us. To say we are a nation of idolatry is an understatement. Yet the God of creation does not stand for competition. He, is an ex- he has an exclusionary clause. He has a no compete in the contract. He will not compete with us. Whenever you bring in competition or idolatry again into his rightful place, you're going in the wrong direction. You make the almighty God your enemy. Oh, I, we serve a loving God. I, we do. We serve a merciful God. We do. But he's not going to compete against your idols. I said he's not going to compete against the forces of this world when we are, rel- when we are relying on that as our source. 
But Ezekiel 14, 6 says, There is only one right direction when it comes to idols. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent! And turn yourself from your idols. I submit to you the first thing as an antidote against the spirit of idolatry is repentance. You've got to repent and turn from your, from your idols. The Bible says repent and turn yourselves from your idols. And turn away your faces from all your abominations. The reason we struggle with repentance is we're entertained by our abominations. I said that's why we struggle with repentance. Because abominations are not sin. Abominations are just bad habits. Abomination is just a, a, just a shortcoming. An abomination is just a mistake. But the moment we understand in our flesh... That what I'm doing is wrong. What I have done is erect an idol in the place of where Almighty God belongs. Then repentance can take place. Then repentance can come in and begin the perfect work to come against idolatry. But as long as we pacify abominations, as long as we pacify sin, it becomes and remains in rulership in our life. You see, turning away from the idols is not what Manasseh did. For 2 Chronicles 33, 9 tells us that Manasseh even sped up in the wrong direction he was taking. In verse 9, Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err. And to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. He, listen, this was a God-fearing man. You better be careful what spirit you release yourself to. I want to say this with all the love. I, be careful what you release yourself to because you'll go further than the pagans because you know too much. I, I said you know too much. What, what Manasseh did, he was raised in a God-fearing home. But he did more than the pagans. He did more than the sinners. He did more than the heathens. He did more than the sorcerers. He became completely intertwined with the demonic forces at hand. He got so entangled, Brother Roy, because he was trying to drown out. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He was trying to drown out a daddy praying in the back room. Believing God that the lineage would continue. Righteousness would go forth. He said, I, just, just normal sin ain't going to satisfy me. Just a normal abomination. I, I got to take it further and go deeper to try to silence the voices. That I keep hearing. Some of you right now are running so hard from God. You're trying your best to drown out the voice of your pastor. The voices that have preached messages to you. But you can only run so long. Until you're going to have a rendezvous. With the Lord God Almighty. As he tries to bring you. Back into the fold. I preach with a different. I preach with an unction today. I'm reaching for your soul. I'm reaching into hell. Trying to pull you. From the grip of idolatry. You see that's what idolatry is. He got so far off track that God sought to reel him back in. I've watched this so many times play out in individual lives. 
When God's trying to reel you back in, the first thing He will do is speak to you. He began to speak to Manasseh, but he wouldn't listen. In verse 10 and 12, 10 through 12, and the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. You hear your pastor today, this is a warning from the Lord. Listen to the voice today. Don't shrug this off as just another message. This is a warning for your soul. This is a warning from your soul because when you don't listen, let me tell you what else God will do. Wherefore the, when, when they would not hearken, verse number 11, wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captain, the Lord brought. I'm going to say that again. The Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction or distress, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. You see, God broke Manasseh. He created a situation in which he had to listen. He allowed others, literally one translation, he allowed others to put hooks in him and chain him and take him away from Babylon. Sometimes God will create chaos in your life to get your attention. When our ears become too dull to listen, our hearts too hard to even ask questions and seek Him, then He will allow a disruption to draw us back to Him. Pay attention to the wordage of this passage that I'm about to say. It doesn't say the Assyrians went and captured Manasseh. It says the Lord brought against them the military commanders of the king of Syria. God brought the enemy in to topple him. Even the sinners have to do what God says. Let me just remind you this morning, the devil is on a short leash. I said the devil is on a short leash. When we witness the negative influence or oppression of evil, we should not be too quick to point fingers. Oftentimes, God is guiding the actions and activities of people. In order to bring about a greater good for all. Hebrews 12 and 6 says, tell us why God sometimes does what he does when, he, when life doesn't feel good or go according to our plans. It says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. God will not, somebody say will not. He will not tolerate the idols that compete for his glory. I said he will not compete with the idols that compete with his glory. He's not seeking to be mean. But if you and I won't listen, when he speaks, discipline often comes next. That's why it's always best to listen to the Lord and align your thoughts and words and actions under his overarching rule, over his word, living underneath the umbrella of his word. You see, Manasseh had to learn the hard way. It was in his distress. He humbled himself and listened to God. There are times God has to drive us to our knees. And that is exactly what he did to Manasseh. God stripped him out of his independence. He broke him out of his self-sufficiency. He had called for a voluntary surrender. But Manasseh refused to hear him. God gave him reason to look up. Sometimes we need a little help in humility. 
James 4 and 6, God gives grace to the humble. But resist the proud. Psalms 138 and 6, though the Lord is exalted, He takes notice of the humble. But He knows the haughty from a distance. Proverbs 3.34, He mocks those who mock, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 29.23, a person's pride will humble him, but a humble spirit will gain honor. Matthew 23.12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 1, 52, he has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. God did not stutter regarding how he views pride. Most don't view independence or pride as an idol, but it is. In fact, it's one of the main idols we are tempted to serve in 2021. But here, your pastor, there are no exceptions. We have all bowed to this idol sometimes in our life. We have all worshipped the idol of self-sufficiency, independence, and pride. Manasseh bowed to pride and it led him down a path of destruction. It wasn't until God let him reach the end of himself that Manasseh realized just how wrong his choices had been. If I were to ask a show of hands right now, there would be hands that would lift all over this house as a testimony of living the life parallel to the life of Manasseh. But Manasseh humbled himself before the Lord because he was in distress. Distress will do that to you. God can make us so desperate we wind up discovering he is the only one to bow our knee to. You will find in scripture God released people to the mercy of their own idols. God help us. He stepped aside and let them find out what their idol produces. Time and time again, it produces the same thing. Disaster after disaster. It is not until you and I learn dependence upon the one true living God that we will experience the full expressions of our destiny. I, I, I felt in prayer last night and again this morning that destinies are hanging over us. But the full expression of us walking and living in those destinies are on the other side of our release and our dependence upon ourselves and our turn in loyalty to the one and only true living God. You may remember watching the Lone Ranger as a kid. He would see that horse. But that horse was a wild stallion. That horse wouldn't let the Lone Ranger ride him willingly. He would climb on, but the horse would buck him and run off. But instead of giving up and walking away, the Lone Ranger would climb back on again. He would get bucked right off. And this went on from time and time again. Until eventually the horse learned that the lone ranger would not stop. <laughs> he was willing to climb on and get bucked off as many times as necessary to break the horse of its independence. This was because the lone ranger saw something in the wild stallion that nobody else could see. I'm preaching to someone today, you're like the wild stallion. God sees purpose on you. 
God sees potential in you. And it's like when God sets the full weight of that on you, you want to run off. When God begins to move and when God begins to stir and when God begins to breathe things and dreams and visions and words from you, from God to you, it's easy to run. I, I'm not worthy. I'm not qualified. I don't, I, I don't have the right pedigree. I don't come from the right lineage. I've got my mom and daddy did this and I, I was raised this way. But God keeps coming back. God keeps coming back. He sees something special in your life. Guess what, church? God's only, God only breaks us because He sees something special in us worth pursuing. Only when God breaks us of our independence in order for us to align ourselves under His direction will we be free to reach our full potential. As long as we are independent, we will wander through life alone. Yet when we yield to the mighty hand of God over our hearts, uh, He gives us the ability to do and accomplish what He designed us to accomplish. For some of us, that breaking can come quickly. For others, it takes trial after trial until we look up in humility like Manasseh did. When Manasseh humbled himself before God, God responded, Brother Billy. I want you to listen to what Manasseh did in 3313. And this is what I feel about to sweep in this building in a few moments. And he was in trouble. He dropped to his knees in prayers asking for help. I'm reading in the message translation. Total repentance before God. The God of his ancestors. As he prayed. God was touched. God listened. And brought him back to Jerusalem. As king brother Weaver. That convinced Manasseh. That God was in control. You hear me this morning, sir. You hear me this morning, ma'am. God hears your prayers when you pray. God did a U-turn in the life of Manasseh. And I feel that in this house for somebody this morning. He reached down when Manasseh repented. When Manasseh humbled himself. And he got Manasseh out of Babylon and back in Jerusalem. I said I feel that in the Holy Ghost uh, that God's getting ready to get some prodigals. Uh, God's getting ready to get our babies uh, out of Babylon uh, and bring them back to Jerusalem. I don't know who I'm preaching to but I feel a return from Babylon. I feel a return from idolatry. I feel a return. I feel it, Brother Don. I feel it, Brother Edwin. I feel it, Brother Roy. I feel a return from Babylon into Jerusalem. Once Manasseh, stay with me a few minutes. I'm almost done. Once Manasseh realized uh, that the diviner, that all those fortune tellers, all those astrologers, the diviners, uh, the spiritists, uh, the familiar spirits, uh, the Satanists couldn't help him, uh, he called out in repentance uh, to the one true God that his daddy served. When he finally came to understand that his money, his power, his prestige, and influence couldn't redeem him, he turned to the one who could. 
God showed Manasseh both mercy and grace. God was moved by his cry for help. You've come too late to tell me God is not moved by our cries. You've come too late to tell me that God's not moved by our tears. A broken and a contrite spirit I will not deny. I think too many times, young people, we minimize the emotions of God. I said we minimize the emotions of God. When Manasseh humbled himself, God responded. He always responds to true repentance and humility. God, David would pen these words in Psalms 103.10. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. Or repaid us according to our iniquities. Aren't you glad God didn't pay you back the way you deserved? Some of you ought to wake up every morning and sing the song with me. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. It washes white as snow. He's not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us for our iniquities. But let's see the emotion of God. In Isaiah 59, 1 through 2. Y'all all right? The Bible says in the message translation, he said, look and listen. God's arm is not amputated. He can still save. God's ears are not stopped up. He can still hear. There's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. Your wrong-headed lives caused the split between you and God. Your sins got between you so that he doesn't hear. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but God stays far away when our sins separate from our sins separate us from him relationally. He stays far because he knows he is unwelcome in the arena of idols. But when you and I humble ourselves before him, he comes near. I said he comes near. God returned to Manasseh to the very place where it all went wrong in the first place. I said God didn't take him anywhere but where he started. God's getting ready to send some people in this room that's going to blow you. Some of your children that you thought were way far gone. God's getting ready to get them out of Babylon and bring them back to Jerusalem. Well, I'd just rather him stay in Babylon. Not me, baby. I'm ready for a return to Jerusalem. I'm ready for the cry of repentance and humility. He brought Manasseh. Hear me. This is a word for this church. He brought him all the way back and reinstalled him in the very position he had been kicked out of. I wish somebody was hearing me this morning. That's what mercy and grace does. God didn't kick him to the curb. He didn't tell him, yes, I forgive, but you'll spend the rest of your life unused and in exile. No, God brought him back and put him in the same position as king. God decided what level of restoration Manasseh would get. And he decided... What level we would get. 
I'm going to say that again. God decided what level of restoration Manasseh would get. And he decides what level you get. It may not look like the same in everyone's life. But God's restoration of us always reveals his mercy and grace. I said it always reveals his mercy and grace. The good news is that we should take from this story and message today is that God can meet us in the darkest places of our lives, even in the furthest reaches of our disobedience and dishonor. Not only can He meet us, He can redeem us. And He can redeem you. Musicians, come. Brother Josh, for those in this church, me and Brother Josh didn't compare notes. Me and Brother Paul didn't compare notes. They don't know what I'm preaching. But you said it, Brother Josh, and I'm going to echo it. You can stand to your feet. Y'all been sitting 45 minutes. You're not gone too far for God to restore you. You've not driven down the wrong road long enough. That you can't get back home. The antidote to idolatry is repentance and humility. When you repent, you humble your heart before the mighty hand of God. You turn away from your idols that have ensnared you. And He will meet you where you are. If you don't hear anything I said. All mine's, in, all mine's listening right now. Two small kids were visiting their grandparents. One of them were feeling very mischievous, so he walked out onto the pond with a slingshot and hit a duck with a stone. He hit the duck so hard with the stone, the duck died. The little boy was so scared because he knew how much his grandma loved these precious ducks. He tried to hide the dead duck and go inside like nothing ever happened. The problem for him was his sister had seen everything. She promptly let him know what she saw him do. The boy now felt more guilt and he faced more fear. And as soon as the grandma asked his sister to set the table for dinner, that fear began to dictate his choices. His sister would promptly say, Joey wants to set the table, Grandma. She would wink at Joey, and Joey jumped to set the table. When the grandpa asked the little sister to help take the trash out to the curb, she just winked at Joey, and Joey hopped into action and took the trash out to the curb. This went on for days, Timothy. Not only was Joey doing his own chores, but he was doing his sister's. He had become her slave out of fear. When Joey couldn't take it any longer, and this is where I feel in the Holy Ghost somebody is. He went to Grandma and he said, Grandma, I killed a duck. And I know you love those ducks. And Grandma replied, I know you killed that duck, Joey. I saw you kill that duck. I just didn't say anything because I wanted to see how long you were going to let your sister hold you hostage. Yeah, yeah. 
if you only knew that God's already seen it all. God's already seen your idols. God's already seen the things you put in place of Him. He already knows every step. He knows the hair on your head. He knew when the dog fell and He knows when the sparrow will fall this evening. We think we're hiding everything from God. You can hide it from your wife, but you can't hide it from God. You can hide it from your husband, but you can't hide it from God. You can hide it from your pastor, but you can't hide it from God. Here's the simple fact that I want to leave with you. No matter how long you keep your sin unconfessed, you're not even hiding it from Him. He already knows. But He also wants to see how long how long are you going to let the devil hold you hostage? How long are you going to let the devil hold you hostage by your past? How, you gonna, how long are you going to let the devil hold you hostage by things we're trying to hide? He sees it anyway. I said, he sees it. Well, nobody's going to see me. I'm in the secrecy of my truck. I'm in the secrecy of my car. Nobody knows what I'm doing. Oh, yeah, he does. He knows where you're putting your faith and your confidence. He knows what you're trying to cope with. And he's saying, if you'll repent, if you'll come running to an old-fashioned altar, if you'll get out of your seat and begin to move, you're going to find your one cry away from your miracle. Your one cry away from restoration. God's touched by your cry. God's touched by your tears. Oh, I'll just hang on to my idol a little bit longer. I'll hang on to my pride a little bit longer. I wouldn't let anything stand between me and this altar today. I wouldn't let anything stand between me and my moment of destiny being discovered. I wouldn't let anything. You don't know what I've been through. No, I don't, but he does. You don't know what I did last night. No, I don't, but he does. I know you got a secret stash. That's what he would say to you. I know you're trying to you're trying to deceive everybody around you. You're trying to do this and you're trying to do that. You're trying to build an idol in the world and you're trying to erect an idol in the church. But if you just say, you know what? No more idols. No more idols. How many days has it been, Timothy? 20 27 days. I think we ought to give God praise for 27 days of victory. See, you don't know what 27 days is until you've been through 27 days. You don't know what it's like to go a year until you've been there when you lay the idols at the altar and you say, no more idols. I've cleared the stage in my life. I've cleared the stage is just you and me God fortune and fame won't satisfy you like Jesus popularity the number of likes on Instagram and Facebook won't satisfy the soul but when you repent and you humble yourself before God it's the antidote to idolatry. 
you understand and come in relationship with the true God of Israel and the true God of us today. He has not changed one bit. Would you lift your eyes all over the... Would you lift your hands and lift your eyes toward the hills from which cometh your help? Sing it, brother.